Lego. Lego. Hey everybody, welcome fellow muggles and you wizards that hide out among us. Welcome back to the Back to Rick podcast, the unofficial Lego podcast. This podcast is designed for those many adult fans of Lego, or AFLs for short, to get a behind the scenes look at some of the Lego creations they know and love. And, uh, you know, through inspiring interviews uh, through the Lego designers and builders from around the world. And we also do some special episodes, which today that's what we're going to be tuning into. And this is a fantastic episode with a very special guest. We're partnering up with another amazing podcast, a Harry Potter dedicated podcast called Podtrificus Totalis, hosted by Cassie. Yeah, that's me. Um, yeah, Podtrificus Totalis is a podcast that I started with my boyfriend a couple years ago. And we read the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter. Basically, every episode is a chapter and we get into an in-depth dis- discussion about um, what's happening in the plot, the lore, the etymologies, allusions, characters, all of those fun literary things, as well as just kind of dunking on the character sometimes um yeah so it's a lot of fun we're on a little break right now just between chamber of secrets and prisoner of azkaban because producing a podcast is hard and takes time and so we take little breaks just to bank episodes sometimes but yeah it's a lot of fun and i'm super excited to be here as both a big harry potter fan obviously um and a uh fan of lego i guess an adult fan of lego i never knew that there was a abbreviation for that and there's so much to learn we are like like very techie geeky culture which everything has an acronym for some reason <laughs> but yeah as an i mean as an AFL adult fan of lego and a harry potter nerd this is a great you know combination to work together i'm very excited to you know talk about some of the great things that harry potter has done through the past couple decades super excited to have cassie on the show today this will be our second special breaking pot episode and our, our breaking pot episodes are designed around you know one particular set And they're meant to be listened to as you build that particular set. But they're also just, you know, great to listen to, to fill in some history, facts, interviews, and more. Uh, Especially as we have, you know, guests come on and topics come on of other Lego sets. It's, uh, It's really fun because we try to focus on that one area. And, you know, for this special bricking episode, it's based all around the latest Lego Harry Potter set. 75978 Harry Potter Diagon Alley that was rumored for months and you know officially revealed by Lego yesterday it's a very similar build as you might see to creator expert modular sets and it's all buildings with a plethora of minifigures it includes buildings of shops and stores that we know from Diagon Alley some that we haven't visited some that we have visited in the movies but in the books as well and it's an impressive 5,544 pieces, and it's definitely something to behold. With a total of 14 minifigures, it comes in at a price of $399.99 USD. And for the price, that's pretty fair. Uh, we're getting over 4,000 pieces, which is the standard 10 cents per piece count. And we're getting 14 minifigures, which the last Harry Potter set, Hogwarts only had the four with the house leaders and it it was a little bit larger. It's about 6,000 pieces. 
So I think that it's it's not a bad deal, especially for all those people that aren't into Lego but love Harry Potter. You know, but it still might hit your wallet a little hard, which some of you probably felt today if you bought it. And we're going to discuss the things that inspired Diagon Alley. Read through some excerpts from the books. We're going to dive into some of the previous Diagon Alley Lego sets. And we're also going to talk about some real-life Diagon Alley at Universal Studios. And finally, it's, it's legacy on ourselves and the Harry Potter community as a whole. Right now, we're going to dive in to how Diagon Alley came to be with Petrificus Totalis host, Cassie. Welcome, Harry, to Diagon Alley. So I think an important thing for us to cover is sort of the background of Diagon Alley itself in the, the books and the movies. Diagon Alley is, is such an iconic part of both because it's really our first entrance into the wizarding world. And it represents, for Harry's sort of hero's journey, it's, it's crossing the threshold into that new world, into the wizarding world, because it's like nothing he's ever seen before. Uh, it's the first big taste we get, and it comes to represent and reflect what's happening in the wider wizarding world for Harry, because they do get kind of sheltered at Hogwarts. They're protected by Dumbledore. And um, so through Diagon Alley, we kind of see how the world has changed since the last book and sort of what's going on outside of Hogwarts. As far as Rowling's creation process behind Diagon Alley, Diagon Alley was inspired by the look of London in the early 1800s, but of course with some of the fantastical and magical touches uh, that we come to associate with the wizarding world. Um, but, you know, you see that the buildings lean at sharp angles and that there are cobblestone roads and the roads are very narrow. There's a steep, winding medieval street in Edinburgh that was apparently the inspiration for Diagon Alley. And it's, it's consistent with the wizarding world at large, which often has a very outdated aesthetic. It's a, it's a community desperately clinging to like old ways, but that still has all of these impressive flourishes and all of these impressive details around it. The Lego sets, of course, are based off of how the movies interpret Diagon Alley. They do bring in some details from the books that maybe aren't addressed or focused on from the movies. As far as the imagery goes, Rowling said in 2001, after the first movie released, that the sets look as she imagined in her head. And that's, that's I'm sure, an incredible experience for a writer of a work to describe something and then see it realized by a team. They do take a lot of input from Rowling, but I think that they also have had a lot of creative license and that they've used it very well to design those sets. There's a Vanity Fair article that talks a little bit about how the crew made the Gringotts Wizarding Bank uh, set, which is one of the most iconic. They say that everything conspired to make the goblins look very small and to make the bank look, as banks do, very dignified and solid and important. Lots of imposing pillars, uh, which are actually just made of paper, and the marble floor. The chandeliers, for example, were 16 feet top to bottom, and they used visual effects to kind of enhance these things and make them look, of course, uh, fantastical and magical, but also to really give that sense of scale. Rowling has said that one of her favorite shops in Diagon Alley and one of the ones that she'd be most excited to visit in her own life um, if she was somehow transported to the magical wizarding world would be Flourish and Blots, the bookstore. And that's one of the stores that is uh, a part of the new Diagon Alley set that we're going to be talking about. It's It's... A bookstore might not seem like an exciting thing to some people. To me, it certainly is. But but there are so many colorful books and details, again, in that space. Like, 
you have the monster book of monsters from prisoner of azkaban that has to sit in a cage because it's trying to escape and that that makes it a really just vivid place and i think also one of those really iconic scenes from the movies is uh the entrance to diagon alley so for those who don't know or maybe haven't seen them or read the books in a long time you go to, you get to diagon alley by entering through london and going to this kind of unassuming looking pub that's the leaky cauldron and then you pass through this sort of brick wall that is transformed with magic into an entryway into Diagon Alley and it's just an impressive scene that again reinforces that idea that you're passing into a new world here this is the entrance to something different something you haven't seen before and you're just you're inundated by all of these details and all of these incredible things happening around you some of the major buildings from Diagon Alley uh, the major shops of course Gringotts is one of the ones that's that's just iconic it's kind of the first stop in Diagon Alley because it's the wizarding bank um, in the movies it has these these tall leaning white pillars which they've imagined in some unique ways in previous lego sets and in the series gringotts holds a very special significance because it's considered the safest place to keep anything uh, aside for maybe hogwarts as hagrid tells us in philosopher's stone or sorcerer's stone depending on where you're from so we see that scene, of course, in the first book slash movie where Harry goes to his vault and then you see also Hagrid taking that little package, which ends up being the Sorcerer's Stone out of the vault. And so there's just a lot of mystery around it. And then in later books, of course, in Deathly Hallows specifically, you have that big dragon fight scene in Gringotts, which is so, so impressive, really just reinforces the magic of this place. One of the other iconic shops that I mentioned is Flourish and Blots. Um, an interesting little background about this one is that it is a redraft of the Ollivander shop, the set for the movie, that is. And all of these shops are very small and cramped, which again, I think reinforces this idea that it's in London, it's in this major city, and that it's a place that has maybe not grown with the population, that these are very old shops, they're very classic shops, so they're shoving books in on bookcases that are so tall, and Ollivander's got all of these little boxes of wands that he has to sort through, and it, it seems very haphazard, and like it's not the best layout, but it kind of adds to that charm of uh, the Harry Potter world. Another small detail about Flourish and Blots is we actually get a really important scene for um, the book, certainly, but also the entire series happening here. This is where in Chamber of Secrets, uh, Harry meets Gilderoy Lockhart for the first time and the Daily Prophet photographer takes a picture of them together. But also he runs into the Malfoys here. And this is where Lucius Malfoy places Tom Riddle's diary inside of Ginny's cauldron, which sets into motion all of the events of the plot of this book and uh, the plot of the series as a whole, really. And of course, Ollivander's is so important because that's where Harry gets his first wand. And it's where he learns a little bit about his connection to Voldemort because he learns that his wand shares the core with Voldemort. And the set itself is, is it's this kind of hazy, as I said, cramped, disorganized shop, which makes it a little threatening in a way. But then there's that moment of power, too, that Harry is realizing that he's becoming a wizard here. This is where he gets the tool that turns him into a wizard. But he's also kind of realizing his place in this world and uh, his connection to um, larger forces at work. And there are many of these shops. There's Ilope's Owl Emporium, where Harry gets... Uh, Hedwig or Hagrid buys Hedwig for him. The quality Quidditch supplies shop where Harry sees the Nimbus 2000 and the Firebolt later in Prisoner of Azkaban. Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions where he sees uh, Malfoy and meets him for the first time in the first book. 
uh, Ollivander's, of course, where he gets the wands, the apothecary for potion supplies. There's so many of these vivid places. And then we also get, as of Chamber of Secrets, Nocturne Alley and the shop there, Borgen and Burks, which ends up playing a large role in the rest of the series, especially Half-Blood Prince. And Nocturne Alley is, is the dark side of Diagon Alley. Of course, the names, they're both puns, Diagon Alley, Diagonally, Nocturne Alley, Nocturnally. It's, it's the nighttime. It's where the unsavory folks hang out. And uh, Borgen and Burks has has appeared in a lot of Lego sets that we'll we'll talk about, but it's this creepy shop with the hand of glory and the vanishing cabinet and all these dark magical objects that end up being very significant throughout the series. And then my favorite shop in Diagon Alley is the Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, which is introduced in Half-Blood Prince. Uh, at the end of Goblet of Fire, Harry gives his Triwizard Tournament winnings to Fred and George, Ron's older brothers, to open up a joke shop because he says that he thinks that the world could use a little humor. And so the Weasley Wizard Wheezes very much emerge as that, as that sort of break from all of the tension that has been built in, in Diagon Alley to that point because we also see in the same at the same time as Harry Ron and Hermione go to the joke shop for the first time they have to follow Malfoy and kind of unfurl his his plot with the Death Eaters and so the Weasley's Wizard Wheezes is, is that levity that we need it's that break and Fred and George are really just trying to make people laugh and cause a little mischief in the world um, which is so so important uh, as both as a viewer to break the tension a little bit but also just as a, as a presence in the world to have the people that can find humor in things. It's another set that has just a ton of details. Uh, like for the the movies, I believe they invented something like 300 products just to fill the shelves with with different objects that would make the joke shop seem authentic. And there are a lot of fun ones too. If you go to the Universal shops, things that you can actually buy uh, that you know different candies and stuff that reference the books and movies. And so it's it's such an impressive set, such a attention to detail and design process went behind that and so it's great to see lego attempting to capture it so overall diagon alley is just it's, it's one of those iconic iconic locations from the series maybe second just to hogwarts but it appeals to the viewer because it's harry's first taste of the wizarding world but it's ours too it's a place where we want to go and look around and see all of these cool objects some of them may be a little scary and dangerous but see all of these magical things just browse and be a part of that world and be engrossed in it and and that's really what diagon alley represents why it's so important in the books and the movies the letter arrived the one chose. The hat sorted. Return to Hogwarts and discover. Every story. Every spell. Every witch and wizard. Every Weasley. Weasley, 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 and Weasley. So, for those of us who have read the books or seen the movies, we, we've seen what Diagon Alley could look like. We know through the words in the book what J.K. Rowling was going for. We have seen the film, how the set designers thought of Diagon Alley. And then we had in our own imagination what Diagon Alley is supposed to look like. And now we have Lego coming in and doing the same thing, that they had to take what they saw and create it into a Lego set. 
and they've been doing it since their license for 19 years. So now we get to talk a little bit about the history of Lego and the partnership that they've had with Warner Brothers and the Harry Potter franchise. The magic of Harry Potter and Lego started in 2001. Lego officially acquired the rights to design and build Harry Potter sets from Warner Brothers. The license makes Harry Potter one of the longest running theme sets for Lego in its history, second only to Star Wars. For the past 19 years, Lego has created some great sets and designs. And throughout the licensing period, there have been some periods of production with some breaks in between as well. From 2001 to 2007, Lego would produce sets from each movie from each year that they were released. In 2001, they came out with the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone sets. 2002, we got Chamber of Secrets inspired sets. In 2003, we actually only saw two sets produced, which one we'll discuss later. In 2004, we saw the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban sets. 2005, Goblet of Fire. 2006, we actually saw no sets being released. And in 2007, we just got one Harry Potter set, The Order of the Phoenix. Then Lego stopped production for about three years. And then it returned in 2010 with only one set released for the Half-Blood Prince. 2011, we only saw a few sets for the Deathly Hollows, And in 2012, there were actually no sets released, but they released the Lego Harry Potter Characters of the Magical World book, which included an exclusive version of Harry wearing a suit. Lego didn't return to the theme until 2018. As Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was coming into theaters, it seemed Lego wanted to join in the rebirth of the Harry Potter franchise as well. They released sets based on the Fantastic Beasts, but also newly designed and inspired sets from the first three books of the Harry Potter franchise. Now, they were a bit different than what we saw in 2001, where they were not just based on rooms or connecting and making larger sets. They stuck to more iconic scenes and things that we know and could reference from the movies. Lego began to play on the nostalgia of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. In June of 2017, it was the 20th anniversary of the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Everyone, not only Lego, was jumping on the nostalgia train and saying, let's celebrate this birthday and bring Harry Potter back into the mainstream. Lego held events at Target to promote the newest sets that they had created and offer a chance to win an exclusive Lego-built Hedwig. I personally drove over an hour to a Target that was holding an event and tried to win it. Unfortunately, the store was not entirely managed well and didn't know how to select a winner, but to say the least, I wasn't chosen. Events like that were exactly what Lego wanted. Well, they didn't want me not to win. They just wanted someone else to win, um, but... I think they'd still want me to win if we could go back. But what they really wanted was to get the fan base back so they could start selling to not only kids, but the adults that had grown up with Harry Potter. Notably, in 2018, Lego released its first wave of Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts collectible minifigure series. Collectible minifigures had become extremely popular and, well, highly collectible. I spent over two and a half hours looking through a box and feeling the bags to find all the minifigures. Now there's 60 in the in the box and you got to find the 2022 20, that were in there. And uh you know, it was a challenge, but I think it was more challenging for my wife that had to uh wait and continue shopping through Target while I was doing this. And it all comes down to, you know, the managing and creation of the Harry Potter series. The managing designer for Lego Harry Potter has been Henrik Sebi, 
who is based in Denmark in Billund. The influences when designing the sets were not just based on the movie and books, but also reference material from Warner Brothers. And with these new minifigures, they were first, of course, hand-sculpted with modeling clay at a ratio of 1 to 3. And then the prototypes were digitally scanned, and from those images, they made and molded the plastic pieces. And as most minifigures are, but as we get into more and more collectible minifigures, the designs have to change constantly. As we see the newest wave of the Harry Potter series, having so many really unique features and additions that you wouldn't see in all other minifigures. Over the 19 years, four video games have also come out that cover all seven books. The Harry Potter collection was remastered in 2016 to be playable on all of the major consoles and still maintain a 4.7 out of 5 rating. And it's been years since they came out. I played the original ones back on a PS2. And I know that dates me a little bit, but I, I PS2 was still the best. And over the years, Lego and Harry Potter have had to adapt and change in the Lego environment. Yellow colored minifigures with one standard face and the same legs had changed now to a flesh toned minifigure. Lego had produced shorter legs for the Yoda in the Star Wars series, and they eventually realized they could create and use them to make a child-sized minifigure. And they've done that pretty frequently for these Harry Potter sets, specifically in this Diagon Alley set, to show that they were kids during this time. They even made a midi uh, leg scale that's in between a normal minifigure and the small to show the teenage years as, you know... Ron, Harry, and Hermione grew up through these movies. They became teenagers, and it's represented in their figures. And with new details and parts, Harry Potter sets have not only become better, but more technical and engaging and detailed in a way that really shows that this is from that scene in that movie or uh, in the book. It's, it's just stunning to see the evolution from the 2001 to 2020, which it, it leads us into our next segment as the Diagon Alley set isn't the first design set by Lego. It actually isn't even the second. Since 2001, Lego has made a total of seven Diagon Alley sets, including this one, either of simple shops that we know or the full Diagon Alley. And now we're going to have Cassie come back in and get to talk about our love of Lego and Harry Potter and, you know, break down these old Diagon Alley sets leading up to the one we see today. So as I was talking about the last segment, Harry Potter and Lego have a really good relationship since 2001. And now we're going to talk about some of those other Diagon Alley sets that have been made in the past couple years. And we're going to bring it back, Cassie. And we're going to talk about some of those sets uh, and, you know, just uh, nerd out a little bit about some Lego. Yeah, love it. So excited. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. So yeah, when... Do you, when's the last first Harry Potter set you bought, do you think? Bought with my own money? Because that's a different story. <laughs> no. Let's okay. start with the first one you got. Yeah. My first one I got. So so I was a kid when these, the, which is why I had to make that clarification. In 2001, I would have been six or seven years old. Um, so I was in the perfect age group for this stuff. The first set, it might have been the, uh, I don't know the the official name or number for it, but the set in the like dungeons at the end of Philosopher's Stone, the first book slash movie, um, the one that has the Mirror of Erised that like spins and you get Harry with the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone. That's a 
weird Harry Potter distinction that I'm not going to get into here. But I think that was the first <laughs> set that like I personally owned. A lot of the sets, though, were like shared with my siblings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are some that like I felt like I owned, but didn't exactly. But I think that was the first one that was like, this is mine. And I built it myself. I actually so that one, uh, as I'm looking at it, it's 4702, the final challenge where you got a uh, Professor Quill. Quirrell. Quirrell. Yeah. Quirrell and the Mirror of Erisette and Harry and uh, yeah. the Sorcerer's Stone, since we're American. Uh, <laughs> well, so so that's a funny thing. So like the Philosopher's Stone is like a real mythological thing. Um, and which that's what that's it was what based on, is, right? Yes. And so and so that's what the book is called in the UK. But when they were bringing it over to the US, they thought that the word philosopher didn't really have the like fantastical air that they wanted so publishers chose to rename it to the saucer stone for the american audiences and it's something that like it's fine it doesn't matter (laughs) really i get a little hung up on it though because i i believe that you know you should maintain the author's intention and also as a big like mythology nerd i like to maintain that illusion to other stuff but yeah it's the saucer stone (laughs) also the publishers thought well americans probably can't pronounce or understand what philosopher's stone is so we're just going to change it that was a concern too yeah they, they didn't think that the reference mattered much to most audiences for the books but like yourself we watch yeah. the philosopher's <laughs> stone uh because i know they actually recorded both audios so yeah the united states version and uh the british version are different yes yeah very, very slightly, but yeah, it's it's a cool attention to detail thing. I'm I'm like surprised that they maintained that for that movie, but yeah, it's it's a very small hang up. But yeah, I think that was the first set that I had. I was really entertained, not only by the like spinning function of the the mirror, but also Quirrell had the the two sided face, and I think that was the first uh, minifig that I had that had that, and so that was that was big for me. <laughs> yeah, and. It's funny you say that because it is literally the first minifigure to ever have that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of minifigures that you buy have like different expressions. So they do two faces. But this was the first one ever to have the double face. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it is a cool little set. And it's, I mean, it's not that many pieces. We're yeah. talking, I think, maybe like 50. But Oh, interesting. You got your Harry Potter figure. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I am, I, I was 11 when Harry Potter Sorcerer's yeah. Stone came out in theaters. I was so seven. like the exact same time. I, of course, <laughs> being a little nerd, wanted my Lego, uh, or wanted all the Legos and where my letter was. I, I didn't get a letter, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but I think my first set was the the Hogwarts Express, yeah. which was so much fun because I always loved trains. So yeah. this just was an extension of my love of trains. And um, <laughs> it's just such an iconic part of the Harry Potter fandom is Ooh, that yeah. train. Yep. <laughs> yeah yeah and they just keep getting more and more expensive unfortunately but in the set we're talking about today another 400 dollars. so it's, it's constant yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i always wanted that set as a kid but lego sets are real expensive so i don't know if i was able to to con my parents into that one <laughs> yeah it, they're they're pricey but it's great to see the change. Um, and as we've talked about, we're, we're talking about the older diagonally sets, which they didn't have a full diagonally till later, like I think in the early 2010s. But 2001, we saw our first set, which I'll talk about is the 4723 Diagon Alley Shops, which if we look at the pictures, it's it, it sure doesn't look like a Diagon Alley set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my, my sister actually had this one. This was like her set because... Um, 
we would all play together. I have two siblings. So I was always Ron and one of my siblings was Harry and my sister was uh, Hermione. So this was the perfect set for her. And if I remember correctly, these sets were kind of geared towards young girls, which is why mm-hmm. they were so like colorful, um, like they're orange and like blue and purple and everything. Um, so it was an interesting set. It's definitely a small set (laughs) it doesn't maybe resemble the source material that much um but you got a cool like couple pieces with it you know you got the owl and the the books and that kind of thing yeah you get the the cat uh also but you're right the colors are bright orange turquoise yeah they're weird yes very weird (laughs) also it came with a piece of cardboard to make the set look like it's part of a shop yeah because it just had shelves and drawers so you had like a potion book um, that would sit on the floor on um, their fake bookshelf. And then behind it was like a wizarding store. It, it didn't really show any particular diagonally store that we know of. Well, so I'm uh, going to get so it, looking at the picture here, um, that cardboard background, it looks like there's a couple different stores kind of jammed together. Like I would have to guess that's the apothecary uh, on the far left with all the bottles and stuff. And then it looks like Madame Malkins maybe with the robes and the hats. And then you kind of get into the maybe crammed together like magical menagerie in the owl emporium um yeah i have no idea what happened to that piece of cardboard when we were kids i don't think i ever saw it and i don't think we really even understood it was supposed to be a diagon alley set i think we were just like oh well here's hermione i I think that's what mine was too it's just like oh cool like this set has an owl in it i like the owl yeah (laughs) Um, yeah and i think i still have the cardboard somewhere i mean all these sets are just I threw them in the bin when I was young. You didn't keep sets sure. together at, at no. a young age. And for all those people wondering if you want to buy this one, it's only $70 new on eBay. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. And actually, I think uh, some of them even come with the completed cardboard still. Yeah, I have to imagine. So I know people get really preservational about some Lego sets. Like I've watched some YouTube channels about Mm -hmm. some folks that like buy like the original sealed ones and they're crazy expensive. I'm sure that there are like some special pieces in these that you maybe can't get in other sets or maybe can't get as easily in other sets. But I think if you're going to drop that much money on a Harry Potter set, this is not the one I would do it for. (laughs) (laughs) This is for all those people that just want to collect them all, which Sure, sure. Good for you. Uh, you you have that kind yeah. of capital. I don't know if that's a sound final financial decision, but sure. It's, <laughs> if that's what th- you're there's into. There's so much on the finances at Lego too because of the resale value of some of these things. And yeah. I was saying seventy dollars. Looking on eBay, just scrolling, there are some that are sealed a hundred and eighty dollars. Um, and it's the same thing that happens with like Pokemon cards and stuff. You're like. I had Mm -hmm. that as a kid. I treated it like garbage and now it's worth, you know, hundreds of dollars and you just kick yourself for chewing on the pieces (laughs) and for trading them with your friends and that kind of thing. I was raised as a professional collector. My father has had every every hat he's ever owned. I'm pretty sure he still has in bins in the basement. Same as t-shirts from like the 1980s. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) So my Pokemon cards are still in my house in their uh, uh, trading card book sleeve. So they're in very good condition. But then my wife, her mother threw out all hers, just gave them away. And I'm like, 
oh my god you know how much money you could have had right now <laughs> yeah i think about that all the time <laughs> and yeah it's it i get sad sometimes but, it, it turns you know, into almost it hoarding is it is. at that point but yeah that's the alternative because my mom was always very much like if you're not using it get rid of it <laughs> except yeah. for legos because we would just have you know the lego bin that we would just throw all the pieces in but and that's the greatest thing about like lego as a kid because they just pile up and you can build more and more onto it so in the end you're right it's not like a tonka toy or a hot Wheels. yeah and i think that's kind of the appeal of this diagon alley set that we've been talking about is that like it has a lot of little pieces that would be cool to use in other builds mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and especially with the bigger details of the sets and you're going to get some really cool figures that are exclusive to the set mm -hmm. which we'll talk about it after we get through some of these younger ones but another set yeah. we have is 4714 gringotts bank yeah this is a weird one too because and i'm sure it was made for complexity and prices sake but like gringotts is such an iconic looking building with the white pillars and mm -hmm. this set does not have that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it even has any does it have white up oh, it uh, all right two bricks it's got like, like some yet. little white pieces yeah <laughs> yeah and like the coaster is cool because i think that's also a really like iconic scene from um early in the first movie but otherwise it it just looks like the rest of the harry potter sets like it just looks like castle pieces yeah it uh, it's just archways with the desk behind it for the goblin to count the gold which i don't even i don't even want to talk yeah. about the goblin it's it's scary looking uh, uh. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff around the goblins in like the book series about how they're um, kind of problematic in that they reinforce maybe some stereotypes about groups of people that I, I don't agree with the stereotypes. But yeah, these Lego ones do look real spooky as well. Like they've got some something about the faces not having any like lines on them or the eyes just being white is it's eerie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of glad I didn't have this set as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> these were just they were just injection molded there was there's no prints of eyes or uh teeth or anything on it and i always thought that was strange because they did that with like the old ewoks as well for like a star wars set yeah and then when they redid it they they changed it i think we'll see i think there's a change in one of the later gringotts that actually has some artwork to it but and also these sets most of the time lego does get like a preview before these movies come to theaters so that they can kind of oh we'll do the we're going to put mm -hmm. these four as sets. How does that sound to like Warner Brothers? And they'll be like, you know, actually, we those are nice, but maybe this one as well. And they'll be like, mm, maybe and kind of get a sneak peek. So some of these could have been because they only had preliminary information prior to the movie. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. This one does come with the uh, the Hagrid figure, too, which is kind of a weird one. I know with the scale and everything that they have to make Hagrid a little weird, but he kind of looks like a Mega Bloks figure. Or what's that other one? The Polyblock figures. Is that what it's called? I truly don't remember. It's kind of got the longer <laughs> arms. Um, the face doesn't look like a minifigure because the beard is so long. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was like it was the beard and the hair. It was like a soft piece, which is strange for Lego because usually it's, you know, hard bricks that you're working with. So to have something that was kind of like rubbery 
uh, the only other thing I can think of that was like that was like the wheels for the for car sets and stuff. With, yes. So a lot of the beards are rubber. I think it's based, okay. It's based on the injection because it usually the beards go like underneath the head. So they didn't want it something that could break because it's mm -hmm. so thin. Oh, okay. So sure. instead they came out with a rubber kind of mold. Okay. Yeah. Cause I had like yeah. Dumbledore figures that had the, the like hard material for the beard, but yeah, Hagrid was always a unique one, which I, I liked to get a unique figure. Cause I had the Hagrid's hut set that came with this Hagrid. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of an odd thing. Um, but I like the, the getting the unique pieces. Mm -hmm. And it adds something to the set because I mean, in the 2000s, most people weren't collecting these for like the minifigures. They were they were like, oh, I sure. like Harry Potter and I'll buy these. And it, I guess, evolved yeah. over time to where like a good example would be like Marvel in Endgame. You know, oh, I want Ant-Man, but it's only in that set. But I also want Iron Man. I got to buy that set. It, they spread them out as a very good marketing ploy yeah. to make sure you buy all of them. Yeah, but I, I did like that the Harry Potter sets, they're, the early ones, you know, there were cheap sets where it was like, hey, you can get Malfoy in this set. And maybe it doesn't make sense for Malfoy to be in this scene, but you get the figure. And that, that was good for me as a mm -hmm. kid wanting to, you know, get all the characters so we could, you know, play out scenes. And also my mom was like an early ebay person my mom has been on ebay since like 1998 holy cow so she, yeah she's like an og <laughs> ebayer um so she would go on ebay sometimes and like get us the specific figure that we wanted that maybe we couldn't get the set for it um because people would sell parts separately so that was that was always exciting mm -hmm. for us. <laughs> that is that is exciting i mean i think my mom started when the beanie babies started that was her oh, like ebay yeah. thing Okay. Back in the early 2000s. So probably around the same time, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I started, like, really getting into the Legos, which if I would miss something, the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. segueing from your comment from Malfoy, it, it kind of leads me into the our next set, 4719, which was the Quality Quidditch Supply Store. Yes, I had this set. Okay. This is I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. I did have this one. Okay. I do have this one. Um, but it has Malfoy, yes. which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> especially because I think this was probably Chamber of Secrets era, um, this set, which, I, well, so I guess it could have been him getting the Nimbus 2001, although they don't include a black broomstick, it looks like. So that's kind of a weird choice. Yeah, they, they really signified a light brown instead of the standard brown. And I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> well. That's still wrong. Yeah, <laughs> which is right odd. <laughs> um, but it, it was a cool little set to me. I liked getting another broomstick because there weren't too many sets where you could get one of those, at least that I remember. Um, and even like the signpost is a broomstick. So, of course, you know, eight year old me, how old I was probably when this set came out, would just take that and attach it to another character so they could play Quidditch. <laughs> yeah. And then they most of the store doesn't have anything in it. It's yeah. kind of outside the store. It's more the facade of the store. Yeah. Right, because you have a quaffle outside. Also, the robes are next to the building <laughs> instead of inside the building. Well, you know, like when you go to a store, sometimes they have like clothing racks outside. So maybe that's what it is. Uh, so, oh, maybe maybe this is the uh, uh, clearance rack outside. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and it, it, as you were saying, it, it was from 2003. So it was from Chamber mm -hmm. of Secrets. Yeah, and it, it looks like it was a cute, cheap little set. I'm sure it's also astronomically priced to get it new in box today. But yeah, it was a nice little set for small me to have and get some nice Quidditch pieces. Because I don't think, I, I know they did a set with like the full Quidditch pitch, but I never had it. I think I did. I think I had the old one um, with just the the rings. I think it only had like one tower and the rings yeah. for the Quidditch match. Um, 
I know okay. the newer one's much nicer, okay. but I'd love for them to do a full ring would be fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Because I remember as a kid, I had like a soccer set and it was like a full soccer field. And that was yeah. that was great for me. So having a Quidditch one would be just added. Those are always world. cool because they had the little spring action to where you could actually play with a soccer ball. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I got a lot of use out of that. <laughs> and th this set, as as you were asking... It's only selling for 160 to 230 dollars sealed. Oh yeah, Trump change easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because most of the parts you can—that's like a lot of these sets. If you wanted them for some reason and you didn't care about the box or anything, you could buy this out of parts because most of them. I think there's only two special parts in this. It's that broom sign and the window pane looks like it's unique. Okay. But you could probably buy those um, on the second or third hand market. Yeah, I'm sure. The only thing I think, and you probably know much better than me, but um, that kind of like seafoam green that they used in a lot of the Harry Potter sets for the castle. To my knowledge, that these were the sets that introduced those, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> nope. No, you're right. Okay. Uh, it was. They had a few other sets, but this is the one that they used primarily for the roofing, that sloped tile. Uh, or excuse me, slope brick, and yeah. it made it popular because now a lot of sets do have that sea foam to it or olive green. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. And then we actually move yeah. on to, I, I don't think that we had another Diagon Alley set for a while. Um, the next one, I, oh, I, I'm wrong. We had Nocturne Alley, which was our next one, and that's going to be 4720. And it's... Uh, what year was this one released? I think the same year. It had to be Chamber mm -hmm. of Secrets. Same year. Yeah, because yeah, that's the one where he goes. And this one, I, I don't think I had this one, but if I remember correctly, it had some, like, did the roof move somehow? Like, so that you could open up and kind of play on the inside? Yes. So it was a, a hinged roof, so you could kind of tilt it back because as all the other ones we've talked about, didn't have anything in the shop because they wanted playability. Right. And I think in this case, they're like, well, maybe we'll test out having a roof that can move so you can get inside the building. Yeah. And I think some of the other Harry Potter sets eventually did do that. Um, I, I remember having other sets that did. I don't remember which one specifically, but that was, of course, a big deal for me um, because we would, you know, play out scenes from the movies and our imagination. Um, so being able to, like, get in there and actually, like, interact and move around in them was was great. Yeah, because you could play out little scenes if you wanted from inside the rooms, which is which is cool. Yeah, because basically for Lego, the first two movies, Chamber of Secrets and uh, the Philosopher's Stone had the same style sets, very open that you could connect them all to make like a big, bigger set. And then they started realizing, well, actually, the scenes are more iconic. Yeah. And then I think Nocturne Alley was like one of the first outliers, which right. makes it a really rare, rare set. I, I, didn't, I don't think I own this one. I did not own this one because it was kind of an outlier. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's going for almost $300 sealed now. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. This is probably one of the few sets, too, where you can get a Lucius Malfoy. And I, I don't think any of the pieces from him are particularly unique. But I think the only other one was when Dobby was getting his sock. Yeah, that would make sense. From Lucius. Which I don't think that was that. Uh, yes, Dobby's release, which was a same year release set. So you could get Dobby, which is also another scary little figure. <laughs> and <laughs> with no printed eyes, just plastic and lucius okay yeah um, but 
very very cool um because i had a lot of these sets too that was i think that one and like one other one were an outlier where i didn't get from that year yeah it, it looks like a cool set like that window is really really neat i like um i always like when when lego manages to make like a curve kind of because you know they're usually such blocky pieces but they really do a great job of just like adding dimension in a nice way so i, I like that that feature window kind of it is cool and i think it's unique because it's a dark green which makes it that spooky kind of nocturne alley style which i know as a kid that always was creepy especially the hand on the uh mantelpiece yeah the hand of glory <laughs> yeah 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 it, it, it's a good scene again it's another one of those big scenes that like if i was a kid watching that movie and i was to name like things that left an impression i think that would be mm -hmm. one of them <laughs> and it, i think people liked it so much that they brought it back because they didn't come out with another diagonally set for well, how many years like 10 years or something yeah eight eight years yeah wow 2011 was the next set and this one was a a very unique set because it finally realized that like oh wait this is a really cool area let's build a really nice looking set and this is in in the 2010s and on lego realized that they could use social media and marketing and stuff they had a designer interview showing the design of this but yeah it's so as we're talking sorry i even forgot to say what it is 10217 diagon alley and it includes nocturne alley or uh, is it Flourish and Blots? Um, I think it's Flourish. This is probably Borgen and Burks here. Um, the like scary nocturnally looking. Oh one. yeah, yeah. The Gringotts Bank, and it looks like I think it's Ollivander. They have a name on it. Yeah, it is Ollivander's. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. This is a cool set too because I I think that it starts to capture what things actually look like in the movie. <laughs> Um, you know, like Gringotts has that iconic white kind of looking thing. And also, I have to imagine, when did the... No, this would have been before the the Universal Parks opened. But all of these are like visitable locations in um, the Universal thing. So I have to imagine that probably influenced them wanting to put out a Lego set to to kind of wrap all that hype up together. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah, because we'll, we'll dive into that, especially in the next section. But it was mm -hmm. 2010 when they opened the first Universal Park. Okay. But the uh, there was no Diagon Alley. Yeah, the yeah the expansion was what added um yeah like Gringotts and pretty much uh, everything on yeah um Borgen and Burks yeah they have a wand shop in the I've been to I've been to it when it was just the Hogsmeade section and I've been to it when it was just di when it for the Diagon Alley expansion and they had a wand shop for the Hogsmeade thing but I don't remember if it was like explicitly Ollivander's I think it was because I also went okay in like 2011 and they had Ollivander's with the wand experience and then the rides um yeah but this looks like a cool set I I think that I at this point I was like a teenager mm -hmm. um I would have been like finishing up high school around this time um, and so I had not grown out of Harry Potter by any means, but I think this was not a time in my life when I was buying Lego sets or getting people to give me Lego sets. So I missed this one, but looking at it, it's it's really neat. It gets a lot of detail in there and, and the buildings look like they you can play out actual stories inside of them. Yes. And I, the, the attention to detail on this was much better other than they still kept the same goblin head. Don't understand. We'll move on from that. But <laughs> <laughs> this was based on, I believe the half blood prince yeah. because we do have the vanishing cabinet. We do have some mm -hmm. death eaters and it's a nice, nice array of minifigures, which was a change because we only had like one or two in the last ones we talked about. And 
they were the old style, all yellow faced, not much expression. But now because it's in the early 2010s, we see the tan bricks, the we've got Harry, not in his like uh, uniform, just in regular plain clothes. It's the first time we see Ollivander um, and uh, uh, Fred and George Weasley, which was cool. Yeah. And it's interesting that they're in there in their um, suits because their joke shop is not a part of the set. Yeah. <laughs> which I feel like is another really iconic scene from the movie. So to put the figures in there, like, I guess it makes sense. But I feel like if I had bought this set, I'd be like, oh, I wish that the Weasley Wizarding Wheezes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love it for the new set that they have it. And they got rid of Gringotts. So it's hard. Hmm. It's, a, it's almost like a they had to make a hard choice. No Gringotts right. and have Weasleys or no Weasleys and have Gringotts. Uh, and, and I understand. Personally, I think it was an okay Yeah, choice. I get that they're always trying to like hit a price point with these um, and including a fourth building, I'm sure would have driven that price up quite a bit, especially because the joke shop has so many like moving parts and so many details to it that you kind of would want out of a set. Um, yeah, it's just disappointing that I guess to this point we haven't gotten like a proper um, joke shop set aside from that mini one that i guess we'll talk about next exactly and but like in general this set was really nice i uh, i should have bought it i don't know why i didn't i think i was just you know uh, it came out in 2011 so i was just going into <laughs> college so i wasn't buying much at that point but the as i was saying like detail they have uh you know as we were talking the white pillars for yeah. gringotts so check you, you made it look like gringotts the uh Wow, what's it called? Um, like the greenhouse style uh, from the Nocturne Alley shop, where they would pe they peered through the window at the vanishing cabinet and the initiation for, for yeah, the yeah, which is such a cool detail. Mm -hmm. And you know what's funny though? There's no Malfoy. Yeah, which is an odd choice, but I assume he was in a lot of these era sets because he's such a major character in Half Blood Prince that I can see them just assuming like, ah, you probably have him from something else. I have great news for you. If you uh, want this set today, I just looked on eBay. It's going for four to six hundred dollars. So uh, yeah, just just a casual purchase that you can make. So here's what you do: you turn around the diagonally set you just bought that's brand new. Go sell that, and you'll have almost enough to buy the old one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great idea. And I mean, sure. I, I don't know why it's so expensive. I, I, I mean, I do because it was the first real Diagon Alley set that you could see and understand like, oh, we're in Diagon Alley. Right. But Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. The Fred and George figures to get them separate on eBay is $70. Whoa. Just for the figures. Wow. I wonder, yeah. I'll have to double check if the printing is the same from what they were then to the new ones now because if they are then the value will eventually drop true yeah uh, it's a great set if you have it awesome if you don't don't worry about it like <laughs> yeah. yeah keep it keep a hold on it because you know if you ever have like a surprise bill show up <laughs> this will pay it <laughs> yeah easily easy to sell uh <laughs> but this is a it's a great transition into our next set up oh, psych never mind our next diagonally set isn't even a huge set <laughs> it's this tiny little thing that we got <laughs> yeah so this one was like a gift that they gave away right if you like spent a certain amount of money at the lego right store. so this came out in 2018 when the harry potter castle came out 
So this is set 40289 diagonally where you got, it was a mini scale of the diagonally and you got Ollivander, the only figure. And uh, it's another good glimpse at what we'll eventually see because this one does have the joke shop from Fred and George. Yeah. And, and I would love, I know that this is like a small cheap set that they're giving away for free. Basically. I would love if they got like that movement of him putting the hat on and off his head. Um, but for, for what the set is, I think they did a really creative job getting it to look like that using the pieces that they, they chose um, because it is such a small set. It, it is. And it's funny because, you know, some of these gifts with purchases go for like you know the same amount you could buy if you were to spend the money on because i think it was a hundred dollars you had to spend and to get this free and then it was like 20 bucks but now i mean you look on mm -hmm. ebay it's a hundred dollars easy easy money to throw away there yeah but i'm now i'm trying to see what do we have so we have gringotts <laughs> bank olivanders i think the one with the the green accents is supposed to be flourish and blots the bookstore and then the one next to it i think is supposed to be okay. uh quality quidditch supplies it does look i think that the they used which is really funny now that i'm looking at it more detailed the the broom is actually a lego yeah paintbrush yeah, which is a cute idea. Like I, I love things like that when they're able to like repurpose an old piece to to make it look like something else, especially in a small scale like this. It's awesome, mm -hmm. and I like that they kind of got the the shifty pillars with Gringotts because it is kind of a weirdly dilapidated building in <laughs> the the movies. And so you know, rather than doing just like a straight column, they kind of I don't know what the piece is called. They made them so that they could sit at an angle, which I think is really really cool. Yeah, using the clips with the handle pieces um which they're gray in this which as we know we just talked about their white pillars in the movies they didn't produce it in white for another i think two or three years hmm, i don't know why either because white would be such a i mean it's very usable color but gray is like one of the biggest colors made by lego sure but like now that there are white ones people can go back and fix it if they want or keep it you know yeah pure as as it is <laughs> i have to imagine the gray kind of gives it a little dimension um like if you had it all white it might be hard to make out the distinct pillars but mm, yeah, yeah that's you true could certainly do it <laughs> and the cobblestones are also great because that's very iconic of the diagon alley is is yeah. that cobblestone street that everybody walks down yeah it gives it a very very english feel to it too um, I don't know. I at least associate like, and I've never been to England, so I don't know if this is actually true, but I always think when I try to imagine what London looks like, I think of like a cobblestone road. So, so it's, it's a nice detail again, that kind of grounds it in the, the details of the book. Yes, exactly. And I, uh, I appreciate that just extra little level of detail and maybe that's why this set is still so expensive for people. Yeah. And it's just, it's a cool looking set. Um, and especially like if you're someone like me who has limited space to display Legos, but never wants to take my Legos apart. Um, it, this is something that I could fit on a little shelf as opposed to some of the big sets that I have, which take up, you know, a whole bookcase. <laughs> yes. And used to be that way, but now I still have things in boxes and there's no, there's like only three built. So <laughs> I, I struggle even to the next level of what you just talked about. Yeah. It's hard. I've, cause also I love building the sets obviously. And so the mm -hmm. idea of taking it apart to build it again is really fun to me, but I worry about like, Oh, well, what if I lose a piece and then I don't have it? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah so i i currently have just like a corner of my apartment that's just f for my harry potter castle um not the full castle but the little connected pieces that i've collected and you know if you need help i know how to get the replacement ones uh <laughs> oh okay yeah. i'll keep that in mind okay. great <laughs> i'm gonna try not to lose them though <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh so now we'll move on to our like our last one we had so as we said 2018 but now we're on to the set we've been talking about for most of the episode. We're, we're talking about the latest Diagon Alley set, 75978. Now, it's a completely different animal. As we've seen, most of these sets have been smaller, working yeah. their way up to that one Diagon Alley set we just talked about. Or, excuse me, not the small one, of course, but the big, the last big one. Yeah. This is huge. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's substantial. They've got, like, several shops in there, which is awesome. Um yeah, this is a cool looking set. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, we're talking over 5,000 pieces. And it's not just one building either. It's what? One, two, three, four, five buildings. I'm trying to look at the pictures here because, you know, everything has only been leaked so much. And then we have on top of that, Lego puts out their photos. Yeah, I can see. It looks like Ollivander's is on the left. There's one that starts with an S. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. Um, the picture that I'm looking at is a little fuzzy because, again, it's like a leaked photo. There's definitely quality Quidditch supplies in there. I say Flourish and Blots and, of course, the Joke Shop. There's two that I'm not totally sure about. So here's some clearer images that might be helpful because I was looking um, from the leaked ones. I just posted them to you. So it looks like they've almost doubled up on a lot of them. Okay, so, yeah, there's the ice cream shop. That's the yellow one. And then this blue one, I think, is supposed to be the quill shop, which let me remind myself what that's called, which I'm sad about myself because whenever I think about, like, the shops in Diagon Alley that I'd, like, most want to go to as a pen nerd, I'm like, oh, definitely the stationery store. <laughs> Scrib scribblers. Um, yeah, but this is just a cool-looking set. It's got so many shops in it, and I like that it gets the kind of cramped feeling of Diagon Alley really nicely <laughs> by having the like tiny little sliver shops. It it looks like a like a main street, you know, with a bunch of shops together. And especially it it reflects that image that we have of it from the movies, which I really, really like. And there's like some cool windows going on. Like there's so many different shapes and facades coming out that yeah, it's just a really cool set. They they did really well with getting it to be exactly what we we see in the movies like we've got Ollivander's yeah. is just the absolute same colors that we we know flourish and blots uh, bookstore has that still that green hint to it but it's uh it also is paired with what other shop uh, flourish and blot Ollivander's. Mm -hmm. uh, the yellow one is the uh the ice cream parlor yes yes the ice cream ice yeah. cream parlor and then quality quidditch is with also the daily profit is above it mm-hmm and uh, as we said, Ollivander's is with uh, Scribblers. And yeah, it, it, it gives that extra level of detail where some of these windows are leaning outwards. They're not flat against the wall because, yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. very cramped. So everything's kind of piled on top of each other in some in some fashion. And now, do you know, because we only have the pictures, so I, I, I understand if you don't. Do you know if the the joke shop, that that top hat on the front of it, will that move? Because I really... I want it to move. 
<laughs> so as far as I know, there is a Ooh. hand crank that you can move nice. up and down. Uh, I'm not sure if the rabbit <laughs> appears and disappears. I hope it does. Uh, <laughs> but that would be it. As far as I've read, it's that's the feature we'll have for it. Awesome. And there's a ton of minifigures, it looks like, on this. I think it totals at 14. That's a lot. It is a lot. To me, at least. I guess it's a $400 set, so you might as well give me 14 minifigures. But um, yeah, there's some cool ones in here. But that's the that's also the great thing about it. Everyone's like, oh, $400. I'm like, but it's over 5,000 pieces. And you have 14 minifigures. When you bought the Harry Potter castle, it's $400 and only four minifigures so that's an extra really that few mm -hmm. it's just the house wow. the house uh uh leaders oh right yes now i remember but yeah this one's got and and some unique characters too that i feel like you wouldn't see in a lot of sets like it has lockhart it has the daily prophet photographer it has Ginny and molly weasley which is a lot for me because molly weasley is my favorite character in the whole series um and i feel like Ginny probably doesn't show up in a lot of sets so uh that's fun um although it looks like they're using the the half height legs for the kids I never know how to feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> so as I take it, this is a representation of the first, the sort the Philosopher's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets. Because we have Lucius Malfoy, Gilderoy Lockhart, and Molly and Ginny Weasley. And I believe Ginny has uh, Tom Riddle's diary. Oh, yeah, it looks like it. Okay, that's cool. It it seems like kind of an amalgamation of a lot of them because then you also have the joke shop, which doesn't open until book six. But yeah, I, I guess I see that, you know, they want to make the kids look like kids. I think that one of the sets I have, the Great Hall set, also had the half height legs for the, the students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that they had to make a choice with that because they could have gone just and done Gringotts instead of the joke shop. And that would have been everybody, you know, short legs, yeah. half legs. Um, because I know that there's one of the images shows Hermione and Ginny looking at the love potions. And I'm like, you guys were definitely teenagers uh, because the, and the joke <laughs> shop didn't didn't come out so later too so yeah yeah it's it's an interesting choice but i i think that you know to get it all in one package i'm not a harry potter purist where i'm gonna be like well this isn't accurate because um tom real diary wouldn't have been in the joke <laughs> shop because it was destroyed i'm noticing too looking at the box this is probably the first set that they've done with the wizarding world branding and I might be wrong about that, but um, like last year or something, um, they moved from branding stuff as like Harry Potter to Wizarding World so that they could include the Fantastic Beasts stuff. So I'm seeing the logo on it. And what I'm thinking about, I don't think my older sets, um, older as in like last couple of years that they've come out, I don't think they have that logo on it. I'm not 100% sure. I, I know what you mean, though, because I mean, the Wizarding World has all of the major wands of both franchises now. Yeah. Yeah. So it would make sense. It's almost like a one umbrella kind of operation so that it's a recognized thing. Because even when you talk about yeah, it's not Harry Potter world anymore in in Universal, it's the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. They still got to sneak in the Harry Potter thing, though, because that's what everybody knows it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I guess I can understand the omission of Gringotts from this set. Because I could see them making a Gringotts set as well, especially because um, like you could do the dragon scene from Gringotts from book seven, oh, which would yeah. be really cool. Or I think they go there. I don't I don't care for the Fantastic Beast stuff, um, but I think they go to Gringotts in those. I only saw the first one. To be honest, I feel the exact same way. My wife likes okay, them, good. <laughs> but I'm just not a big fan. I know there are people that 
do like them, but yeah, I really don't like them at all. I also really hate Eddie Redmayne, so that's maybe a personal hang-up that I have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I I think that like when they were gonna come out with one, I'm like, cool, but wasn't that like a guidebook just to understand what the beasts were? Yes. And I have yeah, that it was a somewhere. short, short little yeah. book. I do too, yeah. And so to turn it into a movie was just like, all right, okay. And, but yeah, I, I and five movies. Now. I think that they've God, is it that I know that they've come out with what two so far and they plan for many, many more, but we'll see what happens with that. You know, they're also planning for like ten avatar movies and those have yet to materialize. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we'll see about that one. <laughs> I think that they've kind of realized with the Lego sets that like people like Harry Potter because they like Harry Potter. They're not looking for Fantastic Beast mm-hmm. sets. Cause I know there's been there's been a couple of Fantastic Beasts Legos things, but they to my knowledge haven't been like substantial sets. It was like they did the the weird Funko Pop looking things of some of the characters, I think. Brickheads. Yeah. I like Brickheads, but it took a while for me to for them to grow on me. But yeah, they did do they did do um Grindelwald and uh newt scamander is one of them and now they just in the in this mm-hmm. set actually if you buy this set uh for free you get hagrid yeah. and buckbeak brickhead uh set oh okay see i would like that <laughs> i don't care about the fantastic beast stuff but you give me hagrid and buckbeak and i'll be all right with that that's how i be. yeah so i mean i know that they've done some smaller fantastic beast sets that are fine but like i think when people are dropping four hundred dollars on a harry mm-hmm. potter set they want it to be harry potter as they remember it yes and uh, like looking at this just like the last two details i see that i just love to bring up is in olivander's wand shop they also have a case now you can put the wand in so his shelves actually have a wand case which is a brand new lego piece because they used they have a crate but it's usually wider so this is cool because if you have other wands, easy way to store it. And then Nocturne Alley, it actually has like the leaning building overarching and uh, a like the dark alley or the Nocturne Alley sign. And, and as it's funny, because this is what happened. Hagrid walks out during the Chamber of Secrets from Nocturne Alley. Uh, but he's missing. He's yeah. missing his slug repellent. Uh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> i'm like that's that. one eating yeah. the school cabbages <laughs> <laughs> gotta save those mandrakes too yeah yeah that would have been a good detail but i i think looking at the the pictures of the flip side too there is a lot of good details like you said with the the crates for the wands and stuff and that's something that i've been really happy about with the the more recent wave of harry potter sets that they've done that the interiors have so much attention to detail and that's great for me coming from like those old sets that we talked about at the beginning that are like, yeah, here's like a cabinet <laughs> and get this owl figure and that's it. Did you have anything else before, you know, we, we end this part of the segment. I, I think we've, we've definitely hit all the diagonally sets well. Um, and, uh, definitely given the details of the evolution to this point. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I think I'm good. Just, uh, you know, Lego, if you're listening, give me a call. Maybe we can work out an advertising deal. You send me some sets and, uh, yeah, we'll talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the Lego ambassadorship program. Oh, I didn't know they had, uh, of course they have a thing. (laughs) Of course. Of course. I'm not a part of it yet either. So Lego, we can talk. Maybe you get, let me in a little early. Yeah. Uh, it uh and uh in the next segment we're going to talk about you know we've talked about how to build the physical diagonally but now let's talk about visiting it and i'm going to tell you some some of the awesome and cool details from the wizarding world of harry potter in universal studios so stick around 
Hello, I'm Mark Woodbury, president of Universal Creative. And with me is Stuart Craig, production designer for all eight of the Harry Potter films, and Dale Mason, vice president of Universal Creative and executive art director for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Today, we're gonna to share some exciting new details about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley, which will open next summer at Universal Orlando Resort. And these are details that have not been made public until right now. There'll be so much more for you to experience and explore, and our new area will be more interactive and immersive. It's one thing to imagine Diagon Alley imagine. through the books we read. Our plans for this then new area were so big and spectacular that we needed a whole not other theme there. park. And experience that's why the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley yourself. will be at Universal Studios Florida. Because the, the new area will be next door to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Hogsmeade, which is at Universal's Islands of Adventure. Over ten years and here's ago, the best Universal Studios Just like opened in the, the gates movies, of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. You're going to get to ride aboard the Hogwarts Express at Universal Studios as you Islands of Adventure in Orlando, Florida. And Hogsmeade. Now, actually, for my senior year of high school in 2011, we took a trip down to Orlando, collaborating with and this included a trip to Universal Studios. I can distinctly remember me and my three friends. And I so ran right Hogwarts to the back Express of the park and basked in the glory that was Hogwarts. We rode every ride, waited in however long the lines is, were, is so ate everything we could, and spent way too much money. But it's Harry Potter. It's definitely worth it. Initial rides included Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, which exists within a recreation of the Harry Potter School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And it takes riders on a journey through the Harry Potter Wizarding World. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter also contains Flight of the Hippogriff, a family-styled roller coaster, and it formerly included the Dragon's Challenge, a pair of inverted roller coasters, which last year were replaced by a new roller coaster, Hagrid's Magical Creature Motorbike Adventure. The second phase, or expansion, of the Wizarding World was announced in 2011, which expanded from Islands of Adventure into Universal Studios Orlando, which included a full-scale working replica of the Hogwarts Express, taking guests between the two parks. The new phase's flagship ride is Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts, a 3D dark ride simulator based on Gringotts Bank and the Wizarding Bank that appears in the books and the films, and is officially built to the full-scale replica of the Diagon Alley. In that ride, it's a 3D motion-based steel roller coaster in, as I said, a dark room. And riders enter the bank into a queue area where Bladark gre greets visitors and instructs them to continue past him to travel deep into the vaults of the bank and to open an account. Unlike Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, this ride is hosted by Bill Weasley, played by Bill Weasley reprising his role from Harry Potter and the Deathly Halls Part 1 and 2. A completely functioning full-scale replica of the Hogwarts Express, as I said earlier, was created to link the sections together, connecting King's Cross and Universal Studios to Hogsmeade Station at Islands of Adventure. Effects include flowers dying, thunderstorms erupting inside the store, all really fun things. Shoppers can then purchase their souvenir wands, all from different characters, and have their own. Live events also occur on Diagon Alley, including a night bus interactive show at the London waterfront, the Fountains of Fair Fortune, and the Tale of the Three Brothers, which were puppet shows enacting stories from the tales of Beetle the Bard, and live performances from musical groups such as the Celestian Warbeck and the Banshees 
mentioned briefly by Molly Weasley in the Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets. There's also Gringotts Bank, where it has a money exchange where you can exchange American currency into wizarding banknotes. Diagon Alley also features the Leaky Cauldron as a restaurant, the Hopping Pot, and Florin Fluorescence Ice Cream Parlor, which specializes in butterbeer-flavored ice cream. The Fountain of Fair Fortune is also a bar. Ollivander's Wand Shop sells interactive wands that activate features all around Diagon Alley. You're presented with a map that you can actually interact based on the flourish of the wand as it depicts to have the dragon shoot fire, uh, things to be lifted, things to change, all really cool that makes you really feel like a wizard. Quality Quidditch Supplies, Weasley's Wizards Wheezes Joke Shop, The Magical Mingears, Madam Malkin's Robes for All Occasions, Wiseacres Wizards Equipment, Borgen and Burks, which is just off to the side in Nocturne Alley. Universal Studios is not only expanding the theme park in Orlando, but also has two others. The first new park was in Universal Studios Hollywood in April 7th of 2016 with the main attraction being a flight simulator ride, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. One other park is also located in Osaka, Japan, which includes the Hogsmeade, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride, and Flight of the Hippogriff roller coaster. It also includes two, two features that aren't seen in the other parks, the Black Lake and Live Owls, which is cool. I guess you have to go to all three to really experience something different. My wife and I actually had plans to go, uh, and she was providing it as a secret trip in May to the park, which she's never been to, to go to the park after dark and get to experience the park with only a small group of people, which I was super excited to do. But, you know, based on the times, everything's pretty much postponed. Does not mean canceled, just postponed. We still plan to go. Uh, expected to go in December. I have my doubts, but you got to keep your hopes up. Maybe it'll happen. But if you've never been, I highly encourage you to go with the three different parks. Due to COVID-19, some have been shut down for periods of time, and some are coming back, uh, especially hard, I, I'm assuming. But there's probably restrictions and guidelines that you'd have to follow to go. So maybe we'll be able to. We'll see. The military doesn't really want us traveling, so might be stuck here and push back a little bit further. But highly recommend you go. It's a great experience. And I've only been to when it first opened, so I haven't seen the Diagon Alley yet. But what a way to experience the physical world of Harry Potter and enjoy in the magic of walking down the cobblestone streets and seeing Hogwarts and thinking of yourself as a wizard preparing for their time as a student at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Now, we've learned a lot about the story behind Diagon Alley the Lego sets behind it, and now the theme park that a lot of us should go to or have gone to. And we'll f move into our final section and talk about how not just Diagon Alley, but Harry Potter itself has impacted our lives and the Lego community itself. 
So I think from here, the the natural thing to talk about is just sort of the legacy of Harry Potter in our lives. Obviously, from the discussion we've had, you can probably figure out <laughs> that we're pretty big Harry Potter fans. But it's something that's that's loomed so large in my life over the years. Like I said, it really reached critical mass when I was like six or seven. And so in a way, it kind of introduced me to reading and um, ignited my love of books, which I'm an English teacher today. So um, that's that's a substantial change in my life. It definitely saw me through hard times in my childhood being like a fantasy series. Um, it, it was just a, a point of escapism. And um, the Lego sets, too, to relate it to that. As a kid, you know, I would play with them with my siblings. So that was a real bonding experience for us to kind of role play the characters and um, make up our own stories within it. Um, so so that was that was huge. Moving into adulthood, though, of course, um, it's still always just been something that I love. I first went to Universal in 2013 with one of my sisters we did like a disney and universal trip and that that was a great experience and then a year after that i went with both my siblings and the the sibling that was included the second time is a, is a big harry potter fan too and that was that was a big experience for us and that was uh, after the expansion had opened so um we got to see all of the the new stuff i remember they were very excited because uh malfoy wears this hat in the Prisoner of Azkaban movie uh, for like one scene. It's like furry and it has a brim. It's a very silly hat. And my siblings always loved it. And they had a replica of it at the, at the, um, the theme park. And so that was, that was huge to, for us to have that in real life. And then when I met my boyfriend uh, five years ago at this point, <laughs> one of our really early bonding experiences was he was a fan of the movies. He'd watch them, you know, as they came out and over the years, but he'd never read the books. And so I was like, oh, my God, you you have to read the books. The books are so, so good. So I got I lent him my copies and and that we bonded over that. And then a couple years ago <laughs> when I started uh researching audio equipment because i'm an av geek um <laughs> researching audio equipment is like hey what if we start a podcast and he's like well what do you want to start a podcast about and i'm like well things that we both really like harry potter would be a lot of fun and so now it's um also become a significant part of our relationship that we just we bond over the love of harry potter we went to universal together in 2017 and that was a lot of fun that was like one of the first vacations that we took alone together um so that was that was great and yeah it's just it's it's always been this thing in my life that i can come back to as like a comfort and um of course now being a little more embedded in the fandom than maybe i was in the past it's just like a great space that people can bond over and share that nostalgia and comfort uh together which i think is very very powerful and I think we've had a lot of franchises of very creative work in our lives. Uh, I can bring up, we have Star Wars again, we have Lord of the Rings, we have Harry Potter. And I think that it's, it's really, as you said, brought us together to connect a fandom because as we've, we've pretty much showed here, nerds are cool now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Harry Potter's made a huge comeback uh, especially after like there was big celebration. It's 20, uh, was it 2017 was the 20th anniversary of Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah. We release. actually, we started, we launched our podcast on the, the day, uh, that Philosopher's Stone first released for the 20 year anniversary, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. That was right. Yeah. 2017. <laughs> yeah. And like, look at that. It's, it's, 
it brings up so many memories of what we did. Cause when I was young, I, I don't know if I was interested in Harry Potter and my dad, he's a airline pilot. And one of his, one of his other pilots like, Hey, the Sorcerer's Stone, I've been reading it to my kids. It's really good. I think you should get it. So he bought it, brought it home and started reading it to us. Um, just as like, cause my sister is a couple years younger than me and I got interested. So I took the book and I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. And then my cousin had his birthday at the yeah. movie theater uh, in November when the Sorcerer's Stone came out. And <laughs> it's, uh, and that's what started it all. Cause then after that, I bought every book that they had, couldn't put it down. I've gone to, I think three midnight book releases from Harry Potter when they came out. I, we would dress up. I, I have red hair, so oh, it's I am perfect. a weasel. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my sister has bl- uh, blondish brown, so she was always Hermione. And we went to uh, Ron and Hermione for Halloween one year, and it's always been a part of our lives. And I think it's always engaged our creativity and our imaginations. Yeah, definitely. And 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 that's something that we see too in the fandom too. There's so much fan fiction and fan art and wizard rock, which is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, oh my God. Please. No, you didn't just say that. Yeah. I'm a big <laughs> I, wizard rock fan. <laughs> oh no. All right. You, you finish and then I'll jump in, but I have, I have a great story to tell. Okay. Well, no, just uh, basically I'm a big wizard rock fan. I went to a Harry and the Potter's concert actually last year in August. And that was the first actual like live concert that I've been to, but I've been listening for years. And yeah, again, just that idea that so many people can get together um, around this, this shared interest is so cool. And I think one of the coolest things about that concert too, was that there were kids there. Like there were like eight, nine year old kids in their, in their costumes. And it was just awesome to see like that, that wholesome environment where again, everybody's just bonding over their shared love of, of this series. Exactly. And you're right. It's not, it's, it's not generational. It's, it's everyone there. It doesn't just be Harry Potter for us. It's for kids younger and younger than us and older. And the, the wizard rock thing, God, uh, my, I went to Harry and the Potters and the Lucius Malfoys were touring together okay. at, in Pittsburgh. God, what was that? 2010 or 2009. Um, they came to the Pittsburgh Carnegie Mellon library for free. And I remember singing Save Ginny Weasley from the Basilisk. Uh, (laughs) But I've never heard anyone else say, I mean, my wife and I have been together since high school and she still makes fun of me for have gone to that concert. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I think my boyfriend had a better time at the concert than I did. And I had a fantastic time. Um, (laughs) But he's real into like prop comedy or maybe not real into prop comedy. I don't want to say that, but he really enjoyed like the way that they use like costumes and other props on stage. Um, yeah, and I love that they play for free at libraries because maybe not right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic, but like it can be hard to find things to do with your kids. And so, so to have like a free concert at a library is is an incredible mm-hmm. thing. And hopefully if they're not Harry Potter fans already, which I don't know if they're not a Harry Potter fan, maybe don't bring them to a Harry and the Potters concert. But, um, you know, <laughs> if maybe like if they've seen the movies and they kind of enjoy it, that might be a great way to get them into reading the books. And I'm sure that's part of the hope and playing with the library, playing in a library. but. 
Yeah. And and Harry and the Potters do a lot of good stuff and Wizard Rock as a community do a lot of great stuff as far as like charities and bringing attention to to like social causes and social justice, um, which is amazing. And yeah. And also to talk about the fandom broadly, they've started the Harry Potter Alliance, which is a great uh, organization that does a lot of work again for like social causes and um, and charitable charitable things which is incredible it is and like you said everything kind of broadens out we've had harry potter musicals um and this is all fan-based i remember probably one of the first things i ever saw on youtube was harry potter puppet pals and oh yeah (laughs) and you you watch it and you still laugh because just the comedy behind it and what's the there's the harry potter uh musical that's about characters that only know of harry potter and ron and hermione um yeah it's um a very potter musical i think it's called yes that's what it is yeah and there's so much creativity and imagination to it which i think what's kept me you know still having imagination i i went to the harry potter world in 2011 and uh we were gonna go this may um but then of course the pandemic pushed it back um (laughs) because my wife's never been Oh, and wow. With the expansion. Uh, and I am actually staring at like wands in our house right now. I've got <laughs> Sirius Black and she has uh, Luna Lovegoods. It's it's a part of our family. And even to the extent that like whenever we do have children, we've already agreed it's going to be a Harry Potter room. Nice. It's it's about not just, you know, the creativity and with Lego, it, it dives in deeper because that's one of my other passions and gives you an outlet. Um, to just, you know, like what you like and believe in magic. Yeah. And and I think that that's a really powerful thing, too, that I feel like there was a dip in Harry Potter popularity. Like the, the last book, the last movie came out and then it was there weren't too many people who were like, oh, I grew, grew up with Harry Potter. It was hard to get into the series late. But I think that after a couple of years, there was people who were fans of Harry Potter growing up then having children and sharing it with their kids. And so I still see being a teacher, um, I'm a middle school teacher. And so I still see kids picking up the book and being like, yeah, my, my dad told me like, this is his favorite series. And so I wanted to read it or just, I saw it on the library shelf and it looked cool. And so I love that it's something that, that families can bond over and share together. I think a lot of people's early exposure to the series is having it read aloud to them by a parent, which I think is is such a special experience. And it's it's a great series for that because it's very much about family and coming together. And exactly. It's it's about friendship, family, and um, you know, just belief to 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 believe in love yeah. and you know that family is everything, but it's it's also about being strong in yourself. Um, and I think that was always a great role model when we were younger to see these kind of movies instead of some of the things that are on now. It's You had three best friends just kind of uh, <laughs> going through trials and tribulations, but together. Yeah. And, and realizing that it, it, coming together and bonding over something. And that's why some of these communities, like the Lego community has its ups and downs, but you know, there's always someone there to talk to. There's a the Harry Potter fandom is the same way that no one's going to bash you for like saying you like uh, you like Slytherin more than Gryffindor because there's a lot of people that are Slytherins. I Potter Pottermore has told me I'm a Gryffindor. I'm yeah, I'm a Slytherin, uh, <laughs> but uh, and my wife loves Hufflepuff. So um, <laughs> that's or is it Ravenclaw? I can't remember. I think it's Hufflepuff. Uh, 
that's the thing. <laughs> you kind of almost yeah. There's a lot of understanding, yeah, and acceptance within the community, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm sure there were vicious days when there were like Draco Hermione shippers and everything, but um, ah yes, my experience as an adult, um, it's 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 a very welcoming space. And I I ho- always recommend like rewatch the movies, reread the books. I've only read two books in my life twice, and one is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and um. Great Gatsby, because I just love the Great Gatsby. But like that just that that's how much it means to me. It's just and that's just me. And I know that a lot of people feel the same, uh, same yeah. way about their fandoms. Yeah. And and that's something that actually we talk about a lot on the podcast that these books bear rereading so well because there are so many little details in them and so many things that you understand how Rowling like planted the clues to the final um final like mystery being solved throughout the book and so it's so rewarding to be able to go back and kind of track those things with knowledge of how things wrap Mm -hmm. up um and i think that they really encourage critical thinking in kids in that way because they learn like oh i gotta i gotta look out for all the little pieces so that i can maybe put together the mystery before it's solved so they're just they're fantastic books and that's the other thing is they're they're books a lot of people have lost the uh the will to read anymore and i know that this really pushed me as a young kid to into reading. And from then, I mean, I, I read books forever. I mean, it's slowed down now and I, I hate that it's, it's happened. Um, and I have a book that's sitting on my bedside table that I don't think I've picked up in weeks. So <laughs> it's, it's hard, but I think people need to continue to read and it doesn't matter what you read. I don't care if you're an adult and you want to read, um, uh, the magic Treehouse books or, uh, uh, Harry Potter, as we were just saying, it's it. There's no age limit. There's no restriction or shame. It's just about enjoying it and getting back into that imagination of reading. Yeah, definitely. And and Harry Potter is such an accessible series because it is written at at a lower level, like a childhood level, but there's still a lot of density in there for older readers to go back mm-hmm. to. And I do encourage people like, Hey, if there's only ever one book you're going to read and you're going to read Harry Potter. Sure. Great. I do encourage people to read other books, but like Harry Potter is, is so welcoming and accessible. Like I've been trying for years to read the Lord of the Rings books because I love those movies. And I, in the last couple of years, I finally finished fellowship and that was like a personal triumph but I'm still just kind of working my way through two towers because those books are really dense, but Harry Potter, you know, it's, it's comforting and it's at a level where I'm not maybe challenging myself, but it's exciting. So like, I'm excited to go back and read it. Whereas Lord of the Rings, I'm like, well, something cool is going to happen in like eight chapters, but <laughs> uh, if you, if you think Lord yeah. of the Rings is dense, please do not read game of Thrones. Uh, you I'm not, I'm not planning to. <laughs> you won't make it. You won't make it. It took me like a year and a half I mean, to get was, through the fifth book. There was a time in my life when I had a lot more time for reading and could really mm-hmm. sit down and just spend like a day just reading a book and maybe reading Lord of the Rings then would have been smarter. But as an adult with a job <laughs> in grad school, it's, it's kind of hard to balance like, oh, well, now I'm going to take 20 minutes to get through a page of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. But, which, but it's funny that you bring up Lord of the Rings. It's another great fandom that's lasted for decades and i think that just pays testament to the original writings because if if you didn't have good writing there's no you wouldn't have what we have now 
Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, we're whatever it is, like 50 years since Lord of the Rings were written and published. I, there's no doubt in my mind that 50 years from now, people are still going to be talking about Harry Potter. And let's just hope that they do not do a remake <laughs> at any point. I'm open to Keep it. Keep it the original. <laughs> I'm open to it at some point. Really? Mm, maybe 50 years from now. <laughs> yeah, I think I need a little more like mental space from yeah. from the originals. But yeah, in, in 10 years. I'd be okay with like a TV series. I know that they're coming out with like the cursed child as a movie now. So they are expanding yeah. and uh, you know, I guess we'll see, but in general, I think that, yeah, I think the community as a whole has just, it's given so much to the world, uh, creates creative imagination, mystery, magic. Um, and uh, something pure to bond over. Definitely. Good versus evil, yeah. um, friendship and family. Yeah, it, it's just that like classic hero's journey story that we see in like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, even to to an extent um, that that makes it so universal and so powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the more I just talk about this, the more likely I'm just going to go put on the Sorcerer's Stone right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, and we've done it multiple times and we'll continue to do it. And anyone else out there uh, always like just just dive in again it's it's a fun ride every time yeah definitely well uh i you know first i i think that this has been really fun i hope everyone who's still listening because yeah. i know it's been a long episode uh, <laughs> i hope you've enjoyed it i know we've dove pretty deep into the mythology and understanding of uh, harry potter but you know we've only scratched the surface compared to the potrificus totalis um because oh yeah <laughs> just listening to one episode i'm like holy shit i have no idea any of this was like related or connected um, based on one chapter of a book. Yeah, um, we, I have pages and pages of notes for one chapter of the book. Some of these chapters, they're not that long. But um, yeah, a lot of research goes into it. And uh, it, it's a good time, especially if you want that like behind scenes scoop. <laughs> and that's what we're all about here for our Lego designs. And now definitely about this Harry Potter set. So like, please, people go and listen to Petrificus Totalis. Uh, I, I think it's an excellent time to, if you don't want to read the books, this is an easy way to only not only get them <laughs> read to you, but you learn about it too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's a fun time. We enjoy it. So I'm glad to hear that uh, other people do too. <laughs> and Cassie, thank you again for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, go through and talk about, you know, how diagonally came to be how it's in integrated itself into the books and and the cre and the characters themselves and you know really diving into some of these lego discussions I, I, it's great to find somebody else that has the same affinities and uh, appreciation for this fandom as i do yeah yeah absolutely thank you for having me um i hope that my my beginner level amateur lego knowledge to not offend anyone um but yeah i think you're also doing a, a fantastic thing in, in bringing people together around lego because it's another one of those things that i think just has lasted over years and years and years and that that people just bond over and yeah Bring well <laughs> you're <you>. welcome <laughs> bringing two fandoms together and you know as hopefully we still get some more harry potter sets uh, you're always welcome to come on the show and talk about lego uh harry potter and <laughs> if you ever want me to you know Come on yours and, you know, show that I have no knowledge compared to what you do of, of the books uh, <laughs> and the movies, then I'm always there. <laughs> yeah, happily. I'll, uh, I'll reach out once our recording schedule becomes um, 
solid because <laughs> it so very rarely is. <laughs> uh, I don't know how we do it, but somehow once a, twice a week we we get an episode out, and I'm uh, uh, happy enough. <laughs> but <laughs> that's an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, thank you for coming on, and for all all of you who are listening. As I said, go listen to her podcast. Uh, and I hope if you bought the set that you really are enjoying it. I cannot wait eventually when I have money, because uh, that's not a thing <laughs> right now. Um, I will buy it as well. And if you haven't, save up and also just enjoy the topic and the discussion. And Harry Potter people are just, there's so much to learn and so much fun to have. I thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you again for coming on. And uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful Muggle day.